Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome back to Thread, episode 112. Thread, God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Thread. Well, this is a very personal episode of Thread, and I'm really glad that you joined us again for this one. This one is about dark moments in life and how we handle them. You know, everybody in their life is going to go through some dark moments, and I think that this particular episode of Thread is going to be, it's just, it's, it's grounded in a piece of scripture that is just so powerful in example to us to show us what to do in times like this. Because, you know, if you haven't had dark moments, uh, you're going to have them. And even if everything about your life, you're doing your very best to serve God and live a life that is lined up exactly with Scripture and with the way that, you know, the Lord wants you to live, I promise you're still going to go through these dark times. You're going to have dark times in your marriage, and you may have a really good marriage overall, but there will be moments, and I know because I've been married over 30 years, and Sherry and I have a a really good, solid, loving, working marriage. But yet you have those moments in your marriage where you just, you almost despair. You know, you get so, your, your spirits get turned against each other, and there's a stubbornness that settles in, and then maybe there's a an argument and something gets said and you sit there wondering, you know, are we going to be one of those statistics? You know, is this thing going to going to fly apart? Could that happen to me too? And you just get, you, you can just despair of it sometimes. You look at your own, look at your own marriage. You can despair in parenting. You can look at, at one of your children and just, just feel like you're losing them and you don't know if they're going to to leave you and leave the Lord and leave the right ways that they know and or hate you or blame you or you don't know what they're going to do. You can't tell and you can't control it. And sometimes you have these events and they're just they're horrifying. Uh, and I'm not just talking in this thread about times when we get scared. I'm talking about dark night of the soul kind of moments when you you just want to give up. You're wrung out. It, it takes you past anything you've been to before. If you're a leader, you're going to have those moments where you just feel like you, your leadership has been rejected. And there may be times that you feel the heart of the people that, you know, you sacrifice for these people. You're so heavily invested. You've put your heart into it. And you're, you've made family decisions and life decisions so you can serve them. And yet there are times that it feels like the whole, you know, the people move away from you and reject you. I don't know, maybe you had to make a hard decision uh, or for whatever reason, you're, you're no longer as popular. And you can feel like, am I about to lose it all? You know, or you might lose it all and you might be rejected. You may have a time in your life that you have to face a personal failure. When you have a moral failure or some other kind of ethical slip or a relational slip and you just fail and you bring your own house down on your head and you just sit there in the ashes of what used to be something really awesome and you've messed it up yourself and you just, 
you just go into this dark place, personal failure. You know, you may have a time of theological doubt where all of a sudden you're not sure if you believe any of this. There's a little crack in your faith. And whereas before you were so confident, you know, yes, there's a God and yes, Jesus is his son. And I know, you know, and then you may have these moments where all of a sudden you wonder, you know, is the Bible just made up by man? And did we blow up the whole idea about Jesus? Did we take him from a, a normal teaching prophet and we created him as God and we made his death have all this meaning to it? And you know, you can your mind can go down these rabbit holes and and then you're afraid you're losing your faith. You're you're afraid you're you're slipping off of like you're you're hanging on to your theology by a, by fingernails. And just trying to not fall away from it. A lot of people have gone through dark night of the soul. Uh, yours may be something a whole lot simpler than all this. You may have just lost a lot of money. And it, it can just like, kick you in the stomach. It takes years and years to, to put money together. And then through one bad decision or just an accident or just a loss or somebody stealing it uh, or an investment that went the reverse of what you thought it would, and now the money's gone, and you just feel this like you're falling. Or you may have been betrayed by somebody that you really trusted. You thought they were you know, a daughter to you, or a friend, or a brother, or a sister, and then they just did the exact opposite. You never, ever thought they would do something like that to you. Or, like in this case, you may have gotten your hopes up because when you started your new thing, you had explosive success, and then suddenly everything spins out of control and crashes. You know, I, I remember when the uh, Challenger exploded, and uh, you're watching that space shuttle lift off and the glory of man conquering gravity and these massive machines that we've invented, you know, so we can go to the, go to the planets and you're pushing and you're looking at the glory of the thing and all of a sudden it just explodes and things just blow up right in your face. And, and that's what happened to Paul and Silas in our story in Acts chapter 16. You know, they, got, um, they knew they were supposed to be missionaries and they had left their homeland and they'd gone off on this missionary trip and they had had some uh, early success in the old areas where everybody knew them already but they really felt like they were supposed to go to new territories and plant new churches and dig out, you know, do real pioneer work. And then Paul had this vision, and they knew it was Macedonia, so they know, oh, wow, we're going to Europe. Never been to Europe before, and they head into Europe, and the languages are different, and the culture and the food and the clothing, you know, and it's all so Gentile and so foreign, and yet God is with them, and and they go down by the river in Philippi, and Lydia accepts the Lord, and her whole family accepts Christ, and they set up base in Lydia's house, and it's like, this is awesome. And then, then this girl starts going around uh, with them, and she's got a demon, and the demon keeps manifesting. And so finally, Paul turns, and he rebukes the spirit, and the demon leaves the girl, and she's free. And you think, wow, this is awesome. This thing just keeps getting better. And then suddenly, like in 20 minutes, bam, the whole thing spins. 
and collapses and a mob forms and, you know, the fear of what a mob will do to you. And then they're before the court, you know, before you know it, without a lawyer, without any warning, they're dragged in front of judges and they're, they're facing injustice. They're not even asked to give their part of the story. A verdict is already you know, given. And then there's the physical pain and damage because the judges order their clothes to be ripped off and for them to each be beaten with these special uh, limber rods. And the word for beaten, because Paul uses it later, the word for beaten is a word that means to flay, to skin, to strike. So, I mean, their backs have been beaten until they are bleeding. Their backs have had their skin torn from these beatings. And if that wasn't bad enough, then they've been physically thrown into a dank, mucky, rocky, slimy, rat-filled dungeon, and their ankles have been placed in a torture device uh, that was intended to cause them pain, and darkness descends. All of a sudden, the crowd is gone. They hear the door shut and the lock turn, and they're in darkness, and they're in pain, and they're bleeding, and it's just a place where there's not much hope. Let me tell you something from somebody who's been down this road for a while. What you do in moments like these sets the course of your life. I'm going to say it again. What you do in these dark moments sets the course of your life. Everything is about to be decided. You didn't decide on the pain And you didn't decide on the darkness. That just happened to you. But what you do in that moment when the whole thing comes crashing down on you, your reaction sets the course of what's about to happen to you. Well, we know what people often do. Some people withdraw. They just pull away from other people. They pull into a corner, hug their knees, uh, just suck it up inside. And I don't know, maybe we all have to do that just a little bit to get our composure and to get in control of our emotions and to take charge. But if you're not careful, that withdrawal leads to depression and you just stay away from people and, and, you know, you just get off by yourself and you just kind of pull out from the race. Other people have to find somebody to blame for every loss. They can't just suffer loss. They have to blame someone for the loss. So they start looking for somebody to blame. And in modern society, they're also looking for somebody to sue And so it's the doctor's fault, it's my parents' fault, it's my friend's fault, it's my husband, my wife's fault. Uh, Other people, instead of a blame game, they throw a big pity party and they invite themselves. And so they go into their pity party and they just tell themselves how much they don't deserve this and how no one appreciates them. And let me tell you, out of all the emotions that there are, Self-pity is the one emotion that has absolutely no good outcome. You know, anger is there to drive you to action. When you get mad enough, you're going to ask for a raise or quit your job or tell your mom to get out of your business or whatever. I mean, you're going to deal with your problem when your pain gets high enough. If you get hit with anger, anger is like a really good motivator You know, like, darn it, I'm going to deal with this. And you do it. But self-pity, no good outcome. You just suck yourself down in this black 
hole of pity. Some people, uh, they don't go a pity party, they attack backwards. And so they fight. So whoever caused them the pain, they say, I'll show you. And they just go down to the level of those people. And, you know, it's amazing how often when you do a postmortem on a church split or a uh, family disaster or a you know, long-term friendship that breaks up and they never talk again, you'll be surprised how often it's the it's the senior person that does it. Like, you know, for example, with uh, screaming fights between parents and children, they've put cameras in the room of families that have this issue, and they find that 70% of the time it's the parent that starts the thing. You get into churches, and in church splits, you're going to find about the same thing, at least 70%, sometimes as high as 90% of all church splits are actually caused by the pastor who would never want a church split. And yet his emotions get up and he's angry and he feels rejected and he starts pouting. And then it's like you versus me. And he gathers his little group that'll support him. And they fight back against the other group. And, you know, you just attack them back and get back at them for what they've done to you. Revenge. Other people, this is very common these days and very popular thing to do. It's almost like a standard line. Uh, if you're going to mention God in the media anymore, it's, it's a mentioning of God because you're mad at him. And in the end, if you're going to blame for anything, God's like the ultimate blame target. And we can look at our darkness and the pain that we're in and we can blame God. Why did God let this happen to me? I don't deserve this. Now, Nobody on a great day, having been blessed you know, out of their socks, shakes their fist at heaven and says, God, I do not deserve all these blessings. Somebody who's like a Mother Teresa should have gotten these blessings. You're so unfair. Why would you give me a double portion when I haven't even used the little gifts that you've given me? Why would you give me so much? You know, nobody gets, nobody gets mad at God for that. We just get mad when he touches us. And he doesn't stop some bad thing from happening to us because in the end, that's what all religion is about, whether it's Islam, Buddhism, or Christianity. The religion part of it is just to keep bad things from happening to us. But we're talking about walking with God. And I I think the final thing that a lot of people do when they hit their dark night of the soul is they just quit. They just quit. They get out of the race they throw in the towel, they raise their hand and say, all right, that's it, that's it, I cry uncle. And they just quit. I was talking yesterday with a, um, a special kind of missionary. This is a man who has worked in India, and now he's in Thailand. He's been doing this for over 20 years. He, um, he rescues children, and he finds children, he and his wife find children at risk, and they swoop in, and they create uh, children's homes, and... You know, this is daily difficult work, and uh, my friend does it, and, and we were talking about the battles and the, you know, the hard part of leading ministries like this, and he said, you know, one of the hardest things is people quitting. They just, you know, they'll work with you for uh, years, and you're blessing them, and you're like a father to them, and then there's one day when you get strict, and that's all it takes, and they, you know, shake off their clothes and walk out the door from you. Um, Look, anything you're trying to do in life is going to get met with resistance. 
And if you're going to be successful, not just as a leader, but just as a, an overcoming person, you're going to have to learn that any time you ever want to do something, the minute you put your mind to it, and, and if you ever actually say it out loud, things get released, you know, because now you've said it. If you put it in writing and publish it publicly, like put it on a blog or tell your friends, email somebody, you know, say you're going to do it. Uh, you know, truly, God's resources start to pour out on you, but not only God's resources, uh, resistance will come against you, and the devil will fight you, and life will fight you, and your own ego and your own fear will fight you, and you just got to gotta get used to this because it's going to happen. Well, what do you do? And what do, and what do you do? You know, I told you six things people normally do. I don't know what you do personally, but you should know. You, know. you should know yourself well enough to know what your automatic response is. And if it's any of the ones that I mentioned already, you need to know that you do that, and you need to fight yourself and don't let yourself, don't let yourself sabotage your own success right before it happens. What Paul and Silas did was they used spiritual weapons. They realized they were in a spiritual war. They realized that all these things that happened to them, they weren't because God was mad at them or God was unfair or any other thing. It was the darkness fighting back. It was resistance coming against them for coming to Philippi and obeying the Macedonian vision. And they used spiritual weapons. We're in Acts chapter 16, one of the most powerful scriptures. I love it. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says, but, man, that's already great. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. See, that means that they just kept doing it. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Wow. I mean, victory, you can already tell, victory already. No matter what happens, I mean, if they behead them the next day, victory already. You look down the barrel of that cannon, and you fell into the darkest place, and you sang praises. You're already the winner, my friend. If that's all you do, you're going to win. Well, you have won, because that is the battle. It's a spiritual war. And do you have any idea the power that is released when you do such a thing in a dungeon at midnight? I mean, I praise God for songwriters who can put moments like these into words so we have words to sing. You know, there's a certain torture that, that artists have to go through so that they really, really sense the pains that we all pass through and can give us words and books for dealing with it. And I thank God for them and for, the, for their craft, and, and we owe them a lot. I praise God even more for people who will release these songs by singing them out at midnight when they've been beaten and they're in pain and they're in a prison and a dark place in life and they sing and sing and sing and pray and sing and they just decide to sing their way out of it. And I tell you what, in my own dark times, and I'm not talking about a dark day where you, you know, shake it off. I'm talking about months of oppression and pressure and having to fight and push your way through things. Sometimes like 
It's like you're walking waist deep in molasses or sand or something that just resists your every movement. And I have had, you know, I've had uh, CDs that just got me through it. You know, I had we had a uh, kidnapping situation that kind of was a life-defining moment for us, and I can tell you about that another time because that's a long story. But I knew I had to have some music, and I went into a Christian bookstore, and I said, Lord, you got to help me find my songs. And uh, I, got, I got this CD, and I started playing it and playing it. It was called uh, If You Say Go. And I just played it and played it and played it. Kirk Franklin got me through a tough year. And you just sing your way through it. You don't give up. You just keep on singing. And don't you know, when Paul and Silas decided to sing in response to their darkness, don't you know how this ministered to their own inner pain? You know, it just lifts your own heart when you put songs to your pain and you just sing it out. But you know what? If you look at verse 25, you realize they're not the only people that were ministered to. It says, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Wow, what a ministry. You think about all the pain that those other people are going through in prison with you, because you're not the only person having a dark night of the soul. And if you lose something very precious to you, you're not the only person who lost it. On that same day, probably millions of people have the same loss that you did, and now you're tuned in to the pain that those people are feeling. Look, nobody sings in prison. And imagine the impact on those prisoners. I tell you what, if you go through, um, you go through a dark time, a time of loss, I can promise you people are watching you. They're watching what you do, and your, your actions are magnified in moments like that. If you can drop down and pull it up the way Paul and Silas are dealing with it, it's going to impact so many people. And in this case, God really shows up. Verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. I think this is a prophecy about Philippi and Macedonia and Europe and Gentiles. And Paul and Silas have obeyed the Lord and they've gone through this hard spiritual warfare place and yet God shows up because of their action. It's when they sing that the earthquake happened. And everybody, it didn't just release their chains, that torture thing that's on their ankles, that thing broke loose. Chains fell off their arms, and not just theirs, it set everybody free. And, you know, this is a very famous story. The prison keeper wakes up, he runs, he sees every door open. He assumes all the prisoners, of course, have run away. He grabs his sword. He's about to kill himself, and Paul shouts out, able to see him, do yourself no harm. We are all here. And the man calls for a light because all those men are down in a dungeon that's totally black. Calls for a light. He ran in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and he washed their stripes. And immediately he, the jailer, and all his family were baptized. And when he had brought them into his house, 
He set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God and all his household. Not only are Paul and Silas set free from their pain, not only does their, is their woundedness ministered to, and they are fed and feel, you know, filled up because of what happened when their attitude just shone so beautifully, but they have a huge um, evangelistic event. This jailer comes to Christ and his whole family, and a prison ministry is launched from then on because this man already is treating Paul and Silas in such a loving way that, wow, if he just keeps this up, he's going to be a powerful force in the lives of hundreds and hundreds of people in his lifetime. Don't waste your sorrows. Turn them into fuel for spiritual war by adding prayer, praise, and singing in the darkest night of your soul. Well, that's all for this version of the Thread Podcast. And look, if you've been, uh, if you enjoy what's happening and how God is using Thread for you, would you just do us a favor? If you go to quinley.com slash iTunes, give us a rating on iTunes and you can go quinley.com slash love and give us, a, give us a comment on Facebook. Tell your friends about the Thread Podcast and tell them how to find it. Just go to quinley.com on the quinley.com website. You'll see the links. You can, you can go on iTunes and other places and find the podcast. Um, we're doing our very best to put together teaching that's good for you and teaching that feeds your soul. And uh, it's feeding mine. You know, God's Word is powerful and alive, uh, ministering to me also uh, as I work on these podcasts from week to week. God bless you. Expect God to use you. That's all for now. I'll see you next time on Thread. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Log on to Quinley.com. 